Hey everyone, pianist Peter Dugan here, and thanks for downloading this week's podcast. Just a little reminder that if you like what you hear today, please remember that we are a small, independent nonprofit organization. If you'd consider making a contribution to our efforts at fromthetop.org, we'd really appreciate it. Thank you, and enjoy the show. From NPR, it's From the Top, celebrating the power of music in the hands of America's kids. Hello and welcome to the program, everybody. I'm pianist Peter Dugan at your service, connecting you to youthful inspiration, talent, and phenomenal music. So, who do we get to meet today? Well, there's Julian Tagawan, a teenager from Ohio, and he's playing a raucous contemporary piece on a very special viola, one that he actually helped build with his dad. And by the way, his dad is not a luthier, he's a doctor. But regardless... This instrument sounds really good, and sounds especially good when Julian plays it. I also have the pleasure of performing the sublime third movement of Rachmaninoff's Cello Sonata in G Minor with George Wolfe McGuire, a 17-year-old cellist from Long Island, New York. You're going to hear how this young cellist brings so much delicate nuance to the music. And first up, a prize winner at this year's Menuhin competition, which, if you don't know, is easily one of the most prestigious international violin competitions for pre-collegiate players. Her name is Hannah Tam. She's 16 years old from Philadelphia. And get ready for this dazzling performance of Bella Bartok's Romanian folk dances. Chungun Kim is at the piano.
Bella Bartok's Romanian folk dances performed by 16-year-old violinist Hannah Tam from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And she was joined by the fantastic Jungin Kim at the piano. Wow, Hannah, that performance was on fire. My gosh. Thank you. You, you absolutely make those dances pop. I love the way you play them. And um, Hannah, you and I actually played together a couple of years ago, as you may recall, when you were on a From the Top show that we recorded in New Jersey. And since then, you've had... I mean, so much great uh, success. You were a prize winner in maybe the most prestigious international violin competition out there for people your age, the Menuhin competition. This is just so fantastic. Huge congratulations. Thank you. What was Thank that experience like and uh, how did it work in, given the, the nature of this pandemic year? Um, it was pretty interesting. We had to record um, videos to send in for every round. And we do need to have a clock set up beside us when we play to prove that we have one take for the whole round. And we also do need another proctor to sign and also prove that the performer or competitor is only playing once. Wow. So does it have to be like an analog uh, clock with a with a second hand going around? Yeah. And then we have to tell them beforehand that, for example, we're recording at 3, so the clock has to show up um, that the time is 3 p.m. Of course, because this day and age, you know, those kinds of things can be easily doctored. So keeping you honest, that's good. Mm -hmm. Uh, So all of that is is work for you. But let's talk a little bit about what you do to unwind. I know that you are a student of, let's say, like the most serious art films, Here's a clip of one of your favorites. Look, there's this thing that I've been wanting to talk to you about for a while. Yeah. It's our last night in Europe, and I had this plan that I wanted to tell you. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell you. Uh, MJ, I... I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> what? That's what you were gonna say, that you're Spider-Man. I'm not Spider-Man. I mean, what would make you think that I was Spider-Man? Peter Washington? No, that was I was sick. Remember I had my the tummy? You know Susan Yang thinks that you're a male escort. What? No, of course I'm not a male escort. Well then you're Spider-Man. <laughs> no, I'm not Spider-Man. Okay, so what's that from? <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man. Um so you're into Marvel movies. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Okay, and let's talk about Spider-Man for a second. In the last 10 years, there have been several different actors who have portrayed this character. Who, who, in your opinion, is the best Spider-Man of the past decade? Um, I'm a little biased, but Tom Holland. <laughs> Tom Holland is our current, uh, sp- the most recent Spider-Man portrayer. Uh, what is it about Tom Holland that, that you admire? Um, he's really down to earth. He's also really humble, hardworking, and he really inspires me as a person. Would you go so far as to say that you have an intense crush on Tom Holland, or am I reaching there? <laughs> You're not reaching. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so maybe, just maybe, Tom Holland listens to the show. If you do, let us know. Uh, we got to have him hear you play because I think he would be inspired by you. All right. So you love Tom Holland's performances because he's always down to earth. He's accessible, even vulnerable, you might say. Mm-hmm. And you've said that as a performer, you're also trying to be more vulnerable and, and in a way less perfect on stage. Can you talk about that search for you? Yeah. So, um, 
I've always been a really cautious player when I play, and I always try mm. to aim to be perfect. But I feel like sometimes it does backfire when I'm on stage. Um, I've been trying to learn how to let loose on stage, um, and you know, enjoy the music, enjoy the harmony instead of being so cautious about perfecting each note when I play. I love that. And uh, when, when you do that, when you allow yourself to go on that journey and be free, uh, we really get to encounter your humanity, yeah. you know? And we certainly felt the humanity in your performance of the Bar Talk today. That was just fantastic. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hannah Tam, 16 years old, from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. If you subscribe to From the Top's podcast, you can download whatever episodes you want and listen on demand. They're available at fromthetop.org. For the last 15 years, From the Top and the Jack Kent Cooke Foundation have awarded over $3 million in scholarships to talented young musicians who have financial need. We still have more to give. Go to fromthetop.org to learn more. Pianist Peter Dugan here, and up next... New music. We're going to hear a piece for unaccompanied violin by Jesse Montgomery. Now, Jesse Montgomery is definitely one of the most sought-after composers working today. She's a winner of the Leonard Bernstein Award. She's been commissioned by Carnegie Hall, the Orpheus Chamber Orchestra, and Imani Wins, just to name a few. We're going to hear Montgomery's Rhapsody No. 2, and here it is, performed by a very adventuresome 16-year-old violinist from Madison, Wisconsin, Ava Kenny. Thank you. 
We heard Rhapsody Number no. 2 by Jesse Montgomery, performed by the 16-year-old violinist Ava Kenny from Madison, Wisconsin. She's here with me right now. Ava, I love the storytelling that you bring to that piece. Thank you. The shapes, the ups and downs. Uh, it was so much fun to listen to you play. Now, this is a pretty much a brand new piece. I mean, it's celebrating its first birthday this month. How did you find this music? Um. So lately, I've been trying to find new music, especially by underrepresented composers. And I was really inspired by Jessie Montgomery. She holds a strong female and African-American role in the music world. Yeah, and she happens to be a tremendous uh, composer of violin music, so it's sort of a gem for you right there. Did you learn anything about Jessie Montgomery and her intentions with this particular Rhapsody, this piece? So this second Rhapsody is inspired by Bartok, and similar to the Isai violin sonatas and the Bach cello suites and Bach violin sonatas and partitas, she is on her way of composing her own set of six works, including two rhapsodies, and I have learned the second rhapsody. You certainly have, as we just heard, and uh, I can't wait to hear the rest of this set once Jesse's finished uh, composing it. Yeah, Well, I know that your impulse to bring about more equity in classical music reflects a greater concern that you have about our world. And I know that you are working to build bridges uh, at your school newspaper. You're an editor there, right? Yeah, I'm an editor. I have been for a year and I will be this year. So our school newspaper has been trying to do a lot of writing about social justice issues. I've also tried to connect a lot of these social justice issues with arts advocacy. Yeah. So do you think that the arts and specifically classical music can play a role in in creating positive social change? Yes, definitely. I feel like music is very powerful and can bring people together. And yeah, it can definitely be used as a tool to reach um, a broad variety of audiences, I feel. Yeah, it's a... It's a super connector. Um, it yeah. connects It connects us all. And speaking of connection, I was told that connecting with friends uh, is something that sort of rescued you and your drive to play music this past year. Can you share with me what challenges you were facing at that time and, and what you did about it? 
Yeah, so once the pandemic started, I think I lost a lot of motivation and drive that I used to mm. um, take for granted, I think. Um, and it was really hard for me to stay driven and organized with practicing and especially since there weren't any goals that I had upcoming. Right. And yeah, I think one of the things that definitely inspired me and helped me to keep going was reaching out to some of my friends, my music friends from music festivals and youth orchestra or, and I did practice zooms and performed, we performed for each other. Mm. And, you know, I'm sure that was a wonderful moment for them to have that connection with you, too, when you reached out and said, hey, can we play for each other? Yeah. We were all feeling a little bit isolated at that time. Right. Uh, but as you know, as well as anyone, music is the, the great connector, as we've talked about. And um, I, just, I just know that you're going to continue to bring wonderful positivity with your music and in everything you do. Thank you. Ava Kenny, 16 years old, from Madison, Wisconsin. That's got to be one of my favorite things, hearing when young performers, these teenagers, are reaching out and supporting each other during these tough times, like we just heard from Ava. It's a reminder that we should all be reaching out to support each other. And here's a fellow pianist that I had the pleasure of reaching out to and whom I thoroughly support. Justin Wabi is 17 and he's from Elk Grove, California, which is just outside of Sacramento. Justin is going to treat us to the second movement of Frederick Chopin's third piano sonata, Opus 58.
Justin Wabi, 17 years old, from Elk Grove, California, performed the second movement of Chopin's third piano sonata. Justin, that was so playful and delightful and fun, and I love the lightness of touch that you bring to that piece. Thank you very much. Now, full disclosure here for our listeners, this is not the first time that Justin and I have met. The first time, actually, you were interviewing me for a program called HOPE. Would you let everyone in on what HOPE is? Uh, Yes, of course. So HOPE stands for Harmonies of Pianists Everywhere. It was founded um, last summer during COVID-19 to, you know, uplift um, the people at home and their spirits during, you know, the very tumultuous time. And, you know, when I first saw HOPE, it was on their YouTube channel and they had just posted um, the Beethoven's uh, Pathetique Sonata Second Movement with 10 to 15 pianists performing excerpts of the work. And, you know, I saw their video and I thought, wow, this is, I've never seen something like this before. And even during COVID-19, I want, I definitely want to get involved. So literally right after watching the video, I proceeded to go on their website and I um, contacted the president of the organization. And, you know, before long, I participated in one of their videos, two of their videos. And then when they had their leadership board application, I was the first person to submit an application. And now I'm on the um, board of Hope. And um, a while um, into being one of the leadership members, I interviewed you, Mr. Dugan, and it was truly a a wonderful webinar, you know, learning about your life as well as, you know, unique um, path as a pianist, composer, etc. Well, thank you. And you did a great job with the interview. I love that you went straight to the top. Let me speak to the president, you said. Not all teens would do that, but taking initiative is actually something that you just do regularly. Like, talk about Franklin's Got Talent. So Franklin's Got Talent It was a show that my brother and I organized. The purpose was to raise money for underfunded arts programs at my high school. So as co-presidents of the um, Franklin Music Society, um, which was an organization that my brother and I started in high school, um, you know, we wanted to create a show that would incorporate musicians at Franklin for supporting our cause for the arts at Franklin. And one distinct, um, you know, memory I can um, remember is... Our uh, auditorium, the Black Box Theater, was, you know, severely under-ticketed. You know, under-ticketed mm. pretty much means we did not have enough people coming to our show. So two to three days prior, uh, my brother and I literally went door to door around our community, knocking on doors saying, hey, you know, we have this show. We want to support underfunded arts programs in our school. We want to, you know, create awareness for this. Will you buy a ticket or, you know, will you um, donate and, you know, support our cause? And in the end, although that. we did not completely fill up we did sell enough tickets to you know create a truly a great show for everyone to remember and we raised over $1,250 which is way over what we even expected. I love that scrappy attitude of just hitting the streets and going door to door. Good for you. Uh, I want to talk about now the STEM field, something totally separate from music because you're off to Stanford right now to to study I mean, science, engineering, all of that. How are you feeling about this? I mean, clearly you've been so immersed in music. Uh, is music going to take a back seat now to those studies? Um, you know, music has always been an incredibly important part of my life, perhaps the most important 
um, thing outside of school that I've done throughout high school and even before. Um, at Stanford, I, I don't really see music, you know, taking a backseat. I see music still being one of the forefronts of my mm -hmm. time at Stanford. I definitely would like to, um, you know, keep lessons at Stanford as well as um, um, perhaps pursue a double major in music as well as uh, academic fields. Some of my interests in that realm include um, engineering, computer science, as well as economics. I'm still relatively mm. undecided. However, with music, I definitely don't want to stop music. You know, I've spent so, so many years, you know, um, um, with this instrument and I definitely want to keep it and, you know, collaborate with all the musicians at Stanford because I'm aware that Stanford yeah. is truly a artistically blooming community. I would definitely Absolutely. like to continue. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. Justin, it's been a real pleasure to chat, and I so thoroughly enjoyed your Chopin. Thank you very much. It's truly an honor to be on this show. Justin Wabi is 17 years old. He's from Elk Grove, California. Daily Joy. Couldn't we all use a bit of daily joy in our daily routines? Well, if you sign up for From the Top's Daily Joy video series, you'll have incredibly joyful, minute-long music videos delivered to you daily. Sign up at fromthetop.org and cheer up. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, providing scholarships to high-achieving students with financial need, jkcf.org. From the Volgenaw Foundation, supporting programs that protect the environment, educate children, and promote classical music. And from the Public Welfare Foundation, committed to advancing a transformative approach to justice that is community-led, restorative, and racially just. Learn more at publicwelfare.org. From NPR, it's From the Top, celebrating the power of music in the hands of America's kids. Up next, a young cellist from Long Island, New York, performs the gorgeous third movement of the Cello Sonata in G Minor by Sergei Rachmaninoff. Pianist Peter Dugan, From the Top's host, is sponsored by Susan and Gerald Slavitt. The name of the young cellist Joanne just mentioned is George Wolfe McGuire. He's 17 from Amityville, New York, and he and I met up in Manhattan to record together. George, it's been such a pleasure getting to know each other, rehearsing this piece. Tell everybody what we're about to play. We will be playing the third movement of the Rachmaninoff cello sonata in G minor. And I was told that this piece changed your relationship with classical music. How did that happen? So I remember before hearing this piece, um, I, was, I was generally more focused on the, on the technical aspect of things. And I, I generally got a lot of... Uh, of stage fright when I was performing, and I generally seemed to be like a bit more 
shy and introverted. And then hearing this piece, you know, I remember I was just forgetting, I wasn't thinking about any of the technical aspects of it, but just hearing the, the beauty and the emotion of that piece really made me just uh, reevaluate what my priorities were. Mm. And um, hearing this piece was, was really what motivated me to um, want to pursue cello um, in a more serious manner. Well, it's clearly become like your piece now. Should we just dive into it? Yeah.
George Wolf McGuire, 17 years old, from Amityville, New York, performed the third movement of Sergei Rachmaninoff's cello sonata in G minor. I had the great joy of joining you over there at the piano. George, what a beautiful performance. Thank you so much for playing with me. Oh, it was a real treat. I'd love to talk about your family for a bit. Is that cool? Yeah. So first of all, your parents make a very cool international couple. Describe their backgrounds. Yeah, so my mom was born to uh, Jamaican immigrants in Birmingham, England, and she moved to Jamaica shortly for a few years, and then she immigrated to America, which is where she met my father. Um, And my father was born in Vienna, Austria, to two Irish immigrants, and then moved to Brooklyn, where he met my mom. Wow, that's definitely a unique background. And while your mom and dad aren't musicians themselves, there is music on your dad's side, right? Yes. Um, my grandmother was an uh, organist, and she went to uh, Peabody uh, uh, while she was in America before moving back to Austria. And my grandfather was a composer and music engraver. Wow, a musical engraver. Remind me what an engraver does. Yeah, so um, basically an engraver takes uh, a, co- a composition from a composer and makes sure to uh, pristinely copy it out for it then to be reproduced and, you know, sent out in additions to the world. Uh, now, your mom and dad have made it possible for the whole family to study music, right? You have siblings who play? Yeah, I have an uh, older brother who's 24 and an older sister who's 21. Um, my brother played uh, violin and my sister played piano. Well... Clearly, there's so much family support. Uh, you have got your parents, your grandparents, uh, and that helps push you along in music. But I understand that there was a health crisis in your family, which sort of changed that dynamic. Would you, would you be willing to talk about that? And- mm-hmm. So uh, when I was in maybe fifth or, or sixth grade, my, my brother got diagnosed with cancer when he was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, of course, a lot of my parents' uh, attention 
uh, went over to him. So I remember that I was coming home from school and generally my, my mom would, you know, say, okay, George, get in, get in the practice room, right. uh, you know, make sure you, you warm up for your lesson. But I, I found that, you know, there wasn't that, um, no, nobody was pushing me to do that anymore. So it really made me sit down and, and, and think, you know, is this something that I, I personally want to invest time and effort into doing? And, and through that, I found that I truly did love the instrument enough to try and uh, pursue it on my own without, you know, anybody forcing me to do it. Um, so I, I think during that, that time, it, it was definitely a period of, of personal growth where I could, you know, find what the cello meant to me. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a beautiful silver lining to have come out of a obviously like terribly difficult situation. Your brother is, is okay now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Thank God. That's wonderful. Uh, I understand that you see your mom's side, your Jamaican grandparents, like almost every day. What, what parts of their culture would you say have influenced you? Yeah, so they live about maybe three minutes away from my house. So wow. um, I would I would always get you know they would always babysit me when I was younger and my parents had to go out somewhere. So I I really grew up um, learning to to cook for my maternal grandmother and we would always have the best time just having Jamaican food and cooking it together. Ooh, okay. What are some of your favorites? I'd have to say ackee, uh, saltfish rice and beans, always a lot of hot pepper. Um, I think that's a good meal. All right. I'm going to give you a call next time I'm out on Long Island. <laughs> George, um, I just have to say that like getting to, to know you and, and see what a deeply thoughtful like, and mature young man you are, it just perfectly makes sense with the way you play. That's so, so reflective and every note you play has intention behind it. Um, I hope we get to play the whole sonata someday. So do I. George, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. George Wolf McGuire, 17 years old, from Amityville, New York. The young performers on our show are so impressive, sometimes you've just got to see it to believe it. And that's pretty easy to do, actually. Just go to fromthetop.org and check out all the fun video we put out every week. Not only do we have photos and video of our young players making radio with us, we've got our Daily Joy video series, virtual concerts, raucous pop music covers, and more. That's at fromthetop.org. Pianist Peter Dugan here, and it's not all that often that you find pieces for the viola where the instrument can really roar. But that's the sort of piece that our next young performer wanted to play. His name is Julian Tagawan. He's 18 years old, and he's from Westerville, Ohio, near Columbus. Julian, it is such a pleasure to have you with us on the program. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. And thank you also for bringing this fantastic piece by Kenji Bunch. It's called The Three Gs. Will you let everyone in on what that title actually refers to? Yeah, so the three Gs is called the three Gs because when you play it, you tune the A string down to a G, and then the D and G strings stay the same, and then the C string is also tuned down way to the lower G. So effectively, three of the strings on the instrument are tuned to Gs, hence the name, the three Gs. Right, meaning that it's going to not sound like your typical viola piece. So whenever you're ready, take it away. Thank you. 
18-year-old violist Julian Tagawin from Westerville, Ohio, performed The Three Gs by Kenji Bunch. Julian, I was truly dancing in my seat as you played that, and I'm sure everyone was all around the country as they heard that performance. That was absolutely a rock star job that you just gave. Uh, congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. Now, I happen to know that the instrument you're playing on has an interesting origin story. Where does, where does it come from? Yeah, so my, the, the viola I was playing on just now is actually the first viola I've ever owned. Um, my dad and I built my viola back in December of 2014. So, oh, hang on. Just in <laughs> case anyone wasn't paying attention in that answer, your dad and you built that instrument. Yes, that's correct. Is your is your dad a professional luthier or or carpenter? You know, my dad is um, well. His main profession is an anesthesiologist, so he's a physician. Oh. Um, but <laughs> so so no, <laughs> no, definitely wow. not. However, um, my dad is the textbook definition of um, being a jack of all trades, and actually, how his woodworking. Um, more specifically, his instrument making started was with the with a violin. Um, mm-hmm. he, he first got into violin because he was listening to a rock string quartet called Bond, and that really inspired mm-hmm. him to learn how to play. And for some reason, instead of um, just going and buying a violin, the first thought in his head was, how can I make a violin? And so he literally wow. just took a trip to the library, picked up a book called... Um, I don't know, how to build a violin, 101, <laughs> right. I guess, and just took off with yeah. it. And so that's how he built his first violin. And over the years, he's um, branched off. He's made four or five violins so far, um, a whole bunch of guitars and bass guitars. And then um, finally, in fall of uh, 2014, when I decided I wanted to learn viola, he said, all right, come with me downstairs to my shop. We're going to make a viola. Wow. And the instrument sounds so good. I mean, it's resonant, it's rich, it's warm. And you yourself are a jack of all trades musically. It's not just viola for you, I guess. Yeah. Well, my dad doesn't just make violins and violas. He makes all sorts of instruments. And so walking throughout my house, there isn't a single wall that isn't covered with instruments. And actually, when I was young, maybe about nine or 10 years old, whenever I'd walk around the house, I would think to myself, what haven't I learned to play yet? And Hmm. so I would... just pick up an, an instrument that I haven't touched before and just figure it out. And so after a while, I was playing Beatles on the bass guitar, Red Hot Chili Peppers on the bass, um, learning all these different songs on the ukulele and mandolin. Um, I even picked up saxophone. And mm. um, yeah. so That is such a beautiful relationship to have with music. And it shines through when you play. Thank you. So Julian, you have clearly been inspired by your family, uh, but you also have interests that are purely your own. Like, I've heard that you're into fashion, which I find totally unexpected, actually, but tell me what you love about it. I love everything about it, honestly. I love going to stores and finding, like, new clothes and not even just finding those clothes, but also figuring out ways to make that piece of clothing my own in terms of my style and how I would wear it, how I would present myself. 
And I've never said this out loud before, but I think one of the main reasons I am so obsessed with fashion and with styling is because it captures so many elements of music that I hear and like applies it to um, another area that interests me. And mm. like, what colors do you want to wear? Or what fabrics do you want to combine? What textures, what patterns? Um, it's, mm. it's like composing in a different way. Mm. And so being <laughs> able to express myself um, with my creativity through fashion and through styling has been such a joy to explore. That's really deep. I mean, I love the idea that you could just walk down the street and someone takes one look at you and they just feel whatever you're going for. You know, they're just yeah. like, wow, that, that guy is exuding uh, joy today, which, by the way, you absolutely did with your performance earlier of the Kenji Bunch. Uh, that was infectiously joyous. And uh, I can't thank you enough for being with us and for sharing that performance. And it's been great to chat. Thank you for having me. Julian Tagawan, 18 years old, from Westerville, Ohio. Well, I'm afraid that's all she wrote, folks. Our show now draws to its close. I want to thank all the young performers we've met on the program, not only for sharing their music with us today, but also for sharing their humanity. And to you, listening in the kitchen, on the road, or at your desk, finishing your multivariable calculus problem set, thanks for listening. I'm pianist Peter Dugan. And I hope you'll join us for From the Top next week. is written and produced by Tim Banker with post-production mastering and editing by senior producer Tom Vagley. Our music director is Megan Swan and the production manager is Matt Dykeman. David Norville is assistant producer. Sound design and editing by John Escobar. Special thanks to the engineers for today's remote studio sessions, including Tom Disher at Disher Sound in San Francisco, Doug Ross at Turtle Studios in Philadelphia, and Aaron Ross at Yamaha Artist Services in New York City. From the Top's executive director is Gretchen Nielsen. I'm Joanne Robinson. From the Top is an independent nonprofit organization based in Boston. If you'd like to appear on our program, apply online at fromthetop.org. From the Top is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov.
Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism, offering a new way to explore with itineraries for arts, culture, and history in Boston and beyond. The journey begins at massvacation.com. From the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, celebrating 40 years of exceptionally creative and inspiring individuals. This year's MacArthur Fellows and more information are at macfound.org. And from listeners like you, who donate to this NPR station. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You know, while From the Top is distributed by NPR, it isn't owned by NPR. It's an independent nonprofit, and so we have to do our own fundraising to make it happen. Please consider making a donation to our ongoing entertainment and education programs at fromthetop.org.